So, a couple of weeks back, we kind of uh, started collecting some questions regarding um, specifically like like demonic forces and work in this world. And, and what I want to do this morning is just go through each one of those and align those questions with what we can see in Scripture itself. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just kind of review back over the questions that we collected, and then we're gonna go to various places in uh, in the in the scriptures uh, so that we can uh, let scripture speak to these things. Um, because I think what happens a lot of times um, is that our like like with spiritual realities, I think unfortunately the the world that we live in, it's very easy for us to. Um, to gear our understanding of those things based off of like cultural ideas around us, based off of things that we've heard. Um, and I think that, that by and large, um, even, even the church has a skewed view of spiritual realities where we stand in that. Um, and I think that um, and I, I kind of I think that I spoke this the last time that we were that we were chatting about this. Um, I think that unfortunately, in the minds of many believers, um, there's there's a type of idolatry um, that occurs when we think about Satan. Um, and what I mean by that is is when we start attributing the attributes of God that are God's alone to Satan, then we've we've performed an, an act of idolatry um, in, in falsely elevating his abilities to be even close to uh, the abilities of God, because that is in no way the case. So as we kind of go through these, these questions this morning, um, I, what, I, what I want to kind of happen in our mind is us kind of get a right understanding of who Satan is, what the demonic forces in this world um, are capable of and to do that we're going to kind of start by addressing some of the questions that were that were raised so I'm going to read through some of the questions that I that I jotted down and then we'll go back and kind of one by one uh, look at them and if y'all have any new ones that have come up since then feel free to just kind of raise your hand and 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 ask those um, this we're going to probably be a two-parter for this questions this time and then kind of the uh, the we're next next week the the plan is is to go over kind of the more uh, what I'd outlined prior to the to, to us kind of raising questions so we're going to try to answer the questions but if there are any follow-up ones We'll cover those next week. So, um, here here are the questions: Can demons possess a believer? Can demons possess an unbeliever? Um, who's after me? Is it Satan, the devil? Is it demons? Like, is it just me? Like, what what's the what's the answer there? Um, what does what does Scripture tell us about casting out demons? Is that something that happens still today? Is that something that that only happened with Jesus and his, his apostles. Um, what pulls us towards sin? Like a lot of times, I think we falsely say, like, you know, like the devil made me do it. Um, I think what we're going to find out is no, you did it because you wanted to do it. Uh, we'll look at scripture that supports that. Um, another question that came up can sickness be spiritual in nature? Um, 
And that and and I'm 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 kind of when I'm approaching that uh, I'm thinking like we're not talking about and I'm air quoting sin sick here we're talking about actually being sick right like yes like so like if you're if you're physically if you're physically sick can can that at times be attributed to um, spiritual spiritual forces there and how should we think like how should we think about sickness in general. Um, if you're not so, the idea there's there's an idea that's often um, arises that if you're not struggling, you're not close to God. Like, how is that? Like, what if life's going good for you? What what like like are you backslidden? If things are going well, um, must you always be in a constant state of like like turmoil and struggle in life as evidence that you're trying to walk close to God? Like, is there any correlation there? Um, and then the the last question that we're going to look at uh, is why don't the angels have an opportunity to repent? Um, like, like what what's going on there? Um, so we're going to start this with the first with the first question: um, Can demons possess a believer? And and so it's a two part question: Can demons possess a believer? And then can demons possess an unbeliever? Um, so let me get set up here. So if y'all want to be flipping to uh, first, we'll, we'll start in First John um, chapter four. I'll give y'all a second to get there. First John chapter four. We're going to be looking at uh, verse four here. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, who is that? Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. That's that's God's indwelling in us. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So who is that he who is in the world? Yes, and you could extrapolate that out to all. Like the one who dwells in us um, is greater than all. Right, so there is none in the world greater than the one who who, who dwells in us. <clears throat> um, so, if the one who dwells in us, let's 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 flip. We're going to put a couple of passages of text together here to kind of get a, a good understanding of this. So, understand that that if you are a believer, God dwells in you. Right, so the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you, believer. So, flip now to First Corinthians. Chapter 6, we're going to look here at um, verse 19 and 20. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God... You are not your own, for you are bought with the price. So glorify God in your body. So who dwells in you? The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. Whose are you? Whose possession are you? You are God's possession. The, the one who dwells in you is greater than the one who dwells in the world. Right? Let's, let's continue. So, so I would say... That scripture is pretty clear. For the believer, 
the one who is in you is greater than all who would try to overcome you. Right? So if you are a believer, there is not an unclean spirit dwelling in you. There is the Spirit of the Almighty Holy God dwelling in you. There is room for no other. Right? So if you're a believer, you will not, cannot be possessed by another spirit. There is no spirit who will drive out the Spirit of God in you. Right? You are not your own. This is not as though you would give yourself over or give yourself up. You are owned by. You are not your own. Right? There in, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You are not your own for you were bought with the price. You are His. And He is not giving you up and He is not being run out. Right? He is the one who casts out evil spirits. He is not one who gets cast out by them. So, if you're a believer, do not worry about demon possession because you are possessed by the Holy Spirit who is leading you forward in righteousness. Right? So, I want us to, 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 to ask another question, though. Right? So, if, the, if Satan can't own you, if, if a spirit can't possess you, can they influence you? Yes. 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 So we're going to look at that really quickly. I think um, when we ask this question about the unbeliever, when we say can, can a demon possess an unbeliever, I think Scripture is very clear throughout the New Testament. We see many times we never see a believer possessed. We never see a, 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 an evil spirit cast out of a believer. We do see unbelievers where demons are cast out. So if we ask ourselves, can an unclean spirit indwell in a vessel that is itself unclean? Absolutely. It seems, it seems Scripture is 100% clear. I want us to be careful about um, not, not blaming uh, evil spirits on, on, every, on every person that we see that's not a believer, right? Because that's, even when we see the casting out of spirits in the New Testament, like what we should realize is there were lots of people that were alive then. Um, there were relatively few who were having spirits cast out of them, right? Like we see it. We see it. It's clear that it happens. But I don't want us to, to extrapolate this out to think that this is somehow the norm, right? I, yes, but here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. Yes, here's the thing. People are evil, right? People are evil. Uh, and and I think that this, that this, that 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 feeling is just you. We recognize that, right? So let's not think that people are born with a clean slate. Scripture in no way gives us this idea of clean slate. Scripture says that from the womb that we're sinful, right? Like none of us sought after God. This is Romans chapter three, and we'll we'll hit that we'll hit that scripture um, here in a little bit as we answer some of the other questions. Um, but I think that a lot of times when we when we come in contact with an individual and we feel uneasy, I don't think that we have to just be like, oh, that's there's a, there's some demon possession going on there. I think the the more likely thing to say is that people are evil. Yeah, and like. Yeah. You know, but it broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't make me fear for 
Yeah. 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 But immediately, it was like it yeah. reminded me of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And Scripture would indicate, so, like, we get these warnings about entertaining angels. Like, it is, it, it, it is not impossible that you run into someone who is, right? Um, it, just as though it's not impossible that you run into. Uh, some some angel some some angel of light unaware right like so like it's we, we live in a spiritual reality um, where most of the time we do not see those things but it's a, it, it it is it is clearly real I think God make makes it makes it absolutely known that 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 the that the warfare that we are engaged in is a, is a spiritual warfare um, and it's not just against other Beings like us, right? Like there is, there is this influence that that um, that the 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 light and the dark um, have on us, um, and we can see this. We can see this um, throughout Scripture. But what I want us to be careful about is is that is that when we when every time we see somebody, we're like, that's demon possession. Then we're downplaying just how evil we are. In the same way that when we say the devil made me do it, that we're downplaying our nature, right? And I, and I so like I think that we need to balance those well. That we are in spiritual warfare, but we're we're broken, and we're like before Christ, we were no less evil than. The, the angels who have fallen, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. So, so you as a believer, so clearly Scripture indicates unbelievers demon possession. We see Christ casting out demons in the New Testament. We see His uh, apostles casting out. Um, um, or as a believer, you need not worry about that, right? The Spirit in you um, is more powerful than any spirit who would would try to enter in. Um, so the question then we we should shift is is if if the battle doesn't lie within us as believers, right? Right? Like like this is not a battle for my spirit, right? Like I, I am the possession of the Almighty God. Then then what is this warfare then, right? I think, I think what I would like to understand is the difference between 
See, I, I, I was I was saved on my mother's couch in her house when I was 13. And I don't know if you call it backslidden or just being caught up in the world while you're growing up or whatever, but I know there's times in my life where I've struggled with some serious addictions. Some yeah. have just recently overcome with the help of God and, of course, my wife. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is understanding the difference between being possessed and just going through a spiritual battle or being caught up within the world or being influenced by yeah. an evil spirit because a lot of that stuff can actually really get to the heart and soul of a believer. Yes. Even though Christ is there and he's battling that spiritual battle within you, you know, what what is the difference yeah. between the battle and the and the being possessed? Yeah. So so let's go to let's go cuz cuz the next scripture that we're going to look at is going to deal directly with that. So like we like we understand spiritual warfare from the like boots on the ground. Like like we all battle daily, right? I, I, what I want us as believers to be uh, like have an assurance of is whose we are forever, right? Like being being backslidden or being like in this place to where you're losing more than you're winning, right? Like God God has not let us go, right? Like like if you believe your salvation is contingent on the one that you've placed your hope in, not your abilities, right? Not your abilities or your circumstances. Like you are his as a believer, but you are called to war. And we war very poorly. We've and I want y'all to so flip with me to Romans chapter twelve. We're gonna look at verses one and two. Um, now, now in this, it might get we we might have a couple of little like preachy moments, okay? So y'all bear y'all bear with me here because so so here's here's what we here's what we do wrong, unfortunately, is that we neglect the battlefield that we are in, right? We'll blame things on like well it was the devil or it was something else, and 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 more often than not it was you and it was your inability because of lack of preparedness for where the battle is taking place. They can't they can't enter you as a believer. They can influence you. And the way that they influence you is through your mind. The warfare that we are partaking in as believers, this spiritual warfare, can't win your soul back. Like they're not going to win your soul from light to darkness, but they're going to battle your mind to make you ineffective at winning those from darkness to light. Right? So where we're at now as believers, so when we look at where we're at in Romans chapter 12, He's poured the Gospel out. Right? Poured the Gospel out. And because of this Gospel that He puts forward, He then starts giving kind of the marching orders for believers to live that faithful walk. And how does He start that? I, I appeal. So this is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world 
but be transformed how? By the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as after he's laid the gospel out, right? And now he's speaking to the believer about how now to walk in this reality. What's the first thing that he does? Is he gives you essentially where this battle is going to be taking place now, right? If you fall away as a believer, right? If you like if you are actually a believer and you fall away to some extent, it is a mental warfare that you are losing, right? This is why it frustrates me to no end when I see men and women who care nothing about God's Word nor digging deep into it. Like, I fear that we sell ourselves far shorter than God's enabled us to press into for the lack of of desire to work. Right? Like, if it's mental warfare, what does that mean? That you must think and reason and use your mind. Yet, how often do we find ourselves when we hear somebody wanting to press deep into God's Word being like, whoo, whoo, that went way over my head. Whoo. There's none of you with mental handicaps that I'm looking at in this room right now. Right? Right? There's none of you who are less advantaged than any of Jesus' followers in the first century. None of you. None of you will have excuse on that day that I wasn't intelligent enough, I didn't have enough resources at my disposal, I did not have enough time to do it. It is laziness, laziness, laziness. Alright? Like, let's be real with that. In other things. Yes. Yes. And this is... So So that's kind of the... I'm, uh, okay, I'm done with the preachy part a little bit. And now it's the... Now I want to I petition you, please. Like, if you find yourself, and you are. You might not realize it now. But if you find yourself at spiritual war, you are not going to be one to darkness, children of light. But you can be made so ineffective because you can be chasing your tail because you don't understand who you are. Understand who you are. You don't understand why you're here. Understand why you're here. You don't understand how to dig in. Learn to dig in. You are at spiritual war and they can't steal your spirit from the God who hold, holds you and owns you. And God in His wisdom allows these attacks to take place as He allowed them to take place with Job because He knows you. Right? Like He knows you. And He knows what will shape you and what will mold you. If you are a child of His, there is no spiritual battle that He allows upon you that He does not know the outcome from the beginning. Right? He is the great general of this war and He will not even allow certain things lest it 
be in His will for guiding and leading us, right? Like we're gonna hit we're gonna hit Job in a little bit, and and that's where I think this is one of the earliest books, if not the earliest book of Scripture. And we find in it so much clear evidence of who God is and who's in control of, of, all that we, of all that we see around us. Even the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves engaging in, right? Um, so like when we consider um, like that, like where we were backslidden or fallen away or in that place where like like where we're standing now looking back we think man there was a lot of time wasted there there was a lot of like I, I find myself like maybe like five years six years that I just like I, I believe but then it was like there was like this lost time like many people have that kind of experience right where it's like you you came to believe but something kind of like other cares or other concerns kind of pulled you back out from a little bit, but now God's God's caught your attention again, is drawing you back in again. Don't think that those moments were wasted for Him, right? Like like that. We may feel like we wasted that time, but but if we are His, He's working all things, right? All things, even those moments, so that now as we're as we're standing more firm, more steady, we can reflect back on those times. We can reflect back on those things, and we say, "I see what led me there." Right? I see what led me there. So he can use he can use those memories for me to tune me, to refine me, so that I don't get back there, and and so that I can keep others from going there. Right? Like God is wise, even in allowing us. To slip, right? Even in that, He is wise. He is in control of these things. And I think understanding who God is and understanding um, the place that these that these like far lesser beings to our God, the, even though they're evil and they would rise up, every one of them have risen up to overthrow Him. They have fell and fallen from the very beginning, right? Like from the very beginning, cast down. There was no struggle in the casting out and casting down. Like God is powerful, more powerful. If all of hell rises up against you, God can say, No, not today. Right? Like like that's the kind of picture that we get when we look at Scripture. Um, so let's let's ask the next the next question then. Well who is after me? Um, or what pull, like so I'm going to combine two of these questions together. So we've got the who's after me is it is it Satan, the devil demons, myself, um, we're going to put that question together with what pulls us towards sin, and I want you all to flip um, here, flip to uh, the book of James. So James, we're going to be um, in James chapter 1, verse 14. So James chapter 1, verse 14. Actually, I'm going to go back to verse 12 and, and read through... Um, 12 through 15. 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So where does that come from? Like who's after me? Um, what's pulling me uh, towards sin? I think scripture is very clear in this. Uh, verse 14, um, if you want to know who's after you and and why it is that you're drawn towards sin, here's the answer for you. And, and I want to go ahead and tell you it's not the devil made you do it. But each person is tempted but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? What does Scripture say? Your desires. You know, right? Even in the wilderness when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, it was about his own desires. Yes. He yes. Was, he was like power, hunger, like, yeah. you know, like love, everything that is part of our temptation yeah. from Adam. I mean, all the way back. Yeah. The devil can't. The devil can't make you do it. No, the devil can't make you do it. So you're saying when Christ was being tempted by all these different things, he was being tempted by the own desires he himself had. Well, yeah. So, so, so temptation comes from within, right? Like, like we can be presented with things that would tempt us. But when we sin, Scripture tells us very clearly here what temptation is. So there can be something placed outside of you, yes. right? There can be, like Satan or, or the, the demons or the spiritual enemies of God's children can place things, right? They can influence culture in such a way that if you open up the news or if you put, turn on your TV, that before you, are things for which you could be tempted by, but your temptation comes from within you. It is your desires, right? This is why, like, like when people say, like, follow your heart, follow your desires, I'm like, be careful with that. Because Scripture tells you about what your heart is, and your heart is a lie, right? Like, if you wanna, if, if you wanna know what to chase after, chase after God's truth, Using your mind to discern. Romans chapter 1, or Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, right? And, and like the beauty of this thing is, so like Satan's tempting Jesus, like in that moment, right? He's appealing through, uh, Jesus is fully man, fully God. Like he's appealing to human desires, yeah. hunger, greed, power, um, and all those things. And Jesus passes those tasks. And how he passes those tests is also critical because he's quoting what? Scripture. Every time. Every time. Which goes back to Romans 12. Yes. That even Jesus, yeah. like he, he, there's the passage where he's learning every day, right? Like yes. passing each test perfectly along the way. And he's the template for how we battle. Yeah. Like he's the yeah. template. Like, he's the template. Like how, how good, how, like how beautiful a picture to see Christ in his temptation because here's the thing like when we are tempted how do we battle right how do you battle right like do you like what do you do i would say that more often than not we don't follow Christ's example right we don't follow Christ's example because we haven't we haven't filled ourselves with the scriptures Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and nothing wrong with seeking counseling, especially when you seek a godly person who's going to, like, say, I need you to feed me what? Yeah. I may be lacking. Yeah. Like, I may go to Landon and say, Landon, I need you to. Like, I'm, I'm faced with this situation, and I really need help discerning what, not what Landon thinks I should do, yeah. but what the Bible. But you have to be so yeah. careful that you choose people who you know have filled the yeah. Yeah. Like, and who wield it well. Yeah, who wield it yeah. So, so, so rule of rule of thumb that should come from this. I want us to re- let's, let's read fourteen, fifteen. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. Conception. What, what is what's this idea of conception? When we think about conception, like tell me some things that you think about. Right? Like what 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 is it what is he trying to get at? What's the point of desire, conception, and then what? Can, like so desire once conceived grows to sin. Right? That's that's what he would seem to be saying here. So then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So your desires, given time to grow, right? Y'all know this to be true, right? You know it to be true. Like you might have the thought in your mind, and if you squelched it, if you pushed it back with the reality truth of Scripture, that desire would would be pressed back. Your heart would be kept in check. Your desires would be conformed to the will of God. Yet when you let those desires linger, right? When you let them sit around, what happens? You do what you don't want to do. Right? You do what you know not to do. It takes time to grow. This is why we must have the... Like, we must quickly, when we recognize desire, like question your heart, right? Question your heart because th- there, there is still in you this dead man that we're, that we're shedding as we press on to eternity. But it, it lingers still. And it calls out. And you're like, I'm going to let that desire sit for a while. Right? I'm going to let it fester. I'm going to let it grow. But that desire, which you could address early, Right? When you let it grow, it gives birth to sin, right? So what does Satan do? What does Satan do to Jesus? He brings forth temptation, temptation. What is Jesus always quick to do? To respond with God's word, with truth, right? With truth, quickly responding, right? So you say, I can't. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to dig in. This is mental warfare. Go ahead before you have the desire and start preparing for that moment. Right? Be in God's Word. Be filling your mind and your heart with His truth so that when you are tempted, right, when your flesh desires, then you can call out Scripture. Right? This is an act of training. 
If we are at war, if that war is very much a mental warfare, and we find ourselves so often thinking, I don't want to dive deep into that, or every time that Dustin comes up and he's digging in, I'm like, Dustin's too smart for me. Right? That's because Dustin spends untold hours reading and studying. Right? Let us do the same. Let us do the same. Let us press in. Here's the reality. There's not one of you in this room who given the same amount of time couldn't know Scripture as Dustin knows Scripture. Not one of you. Right? Not one of you. And I see you looking and saying like, I don't know about that. It's time. Right? It's time. Dustin, is it not time? In like fast food culture, man, we want everything now. But it, it's the, the time. Like the hours, and the, the minutes add up to hours, which add up to days and months and years. And like over 15 years that happens and is happening. I'm still unlearning things that I thought were right. And I'm still right? things that are completely new to me. And like there's it, there's a desire just when you when you sit down and you you open the book like you're reading his words to you and like the desire to read like I was not a good reader when I started at all like I've gotten better at reading because of that like yeah transform my desire to now that's pretty much all I did yeah <laughs> it, it's it, it's like it, it feeds it's in on itself in time right throw the desires that are meaningful and that matter and that draw you closer to Him. And in doing that, you're squelching out and suffocating those desires that are in your heart so that when they pop up, like they're starved to death. Right? Yeah. And that's about the only way to do it. And and so and even then. You know, yeah. You know, this has brought me to, like, it's like I, um, I see so much humility in the fact that you're facing that your battlefield is in the mind. Because, uh, and I really never thought of that. I mean, I've always known that it was in, not always, but learned that it was in the mind. But I love the scripture in Second Corinthians: "For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strong, to destroy strongholds." And I was thinking about that. I mean, we know that that divine weapon is the Word. Yeah. Communion with God, His Holy Spirit, is our weapon. Yeah. But our weapons are not. The next verse, if you start there, you'll think, oh, I can fight what's outside of me with that weapon. But it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. That word captive is battlefield to obey Christ. And I was just thinking about how that lots of times we've been taught that the battle is outside of us. Yeah. That the battle is here in our thoughts. And that gets our mind off of everybody else's. Not that we're not encouraging yeah. our brothers and sisters to fight that battle. But it's like, if I take care of me and the battle yeah. that's going on in my mind, then... Yeah. So, so, so when we think about like spiritual influence on us, all external, none of the, none of it can can force you into your actions. They can influence, just like I can influence you. I can't make you. I can influence you, though, right? And given sufficient influence. 
right? This is like the the if you lie, if you lie with dogs, you're going to get fleas kind of thought. Like given sufficient time in certain circles of influence, your desires begin to shift and and start matching those of the ones that you're being influenced by, right? So like if we find ourselves with no spiritual influence from God's Word and only external spiritual influence, whether it be from other individuals or whether it be from the culture around us that is heavily shaped by spiritual influence to the negative, right? Then what we'll find is that we start conforming, right? And this is exactly what Paul's telling us in Romans chapter 12 not to do. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. The only way to be transformed is through the renewal of the mind. And when he's talking about that, for us, that's digging into God's Word, right? Yes. So when a person is addicted to drugs, mm-hmm. in the beginning they do it because they're hard. They yep. Once they get into that addiction so bad, I've softened some yeah. as I've gotten older on, okay, so their body's craving that so bad, yeah. they're overtaken by it. Yeah. Still their desire. Uh, so, so, so here's the unfortunate reality with things like, like th- there are, and this is not, this is not only drugs, but I think we see it very prominently in drugs. Is that is sin? This is that. This is that. That this is desire when conceived, right? Leads to sin, and sin gives birth to death. Like. Yes, yes. And desire, and then that desire becomes something that just completely takes Yes, your desire can take hold of you in such a way as... And this is why, like, prior to Christ freeing us, we were slaves to sin, right? Like, we, we have a different relationship with sin as believers than we had when we were lost. When we were lost, we were slaves to sin. Like our desires led and controlled us. Now we can war against those evil desires, right? Now the unfortunate thing about like drug abuse, drug addiction is that is that those those missteps can take a physical hold on our bodies in such a way that it takes us farther than we would have ever imagined having gone. And it can take, it can be real legitimate chains holding back that I would say like, like for many, um, who, who battle with drug abuse, the only hope is that God, is that God speaks miraculous change into those lives. Now, now, don't get me wrong, like, like taking good steps towards getting out of those. Here's the reality. If you're a drug addict and you're dropped on a deserted island where all you have is survival and no drugs that you can get a hold of, give it a, if you survive the, 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 the withdrawals, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be on drugs if you don't have access to those drugs, right? But the problem is, is that, is that, is that, is the ease with which it is to slip back into those old habits requires great amount of discipline, renewing the mind, constantly being on guard. And if you think about how many just believers that are not addicted to like, 
like mind-altering, body-chemical-altering type of substances that also struggle just with the mundane of temptations, you compound that with now the now you have these external chemicals causing you um, causing your body. It, it it is it is a it is a, a an, an unfortunate um, thing that um, that much prayer, much um, like assistance. Um, and 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 healing. the miraculous the physical healing that almost has to yeah. take place with the brain. Yeah. Because I heard Maureen say, you know, you can see on the brain scan. Yeah, it it alters your it alters your yeah, and that that makes that makes unfortunately that makes those situations. A Christian person can get into that. Yes. 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 That's where I was saying, you know, knowing the difference between a battle and a struggle. Versus being completely, yeah. What, what, what was it we were talking about? The like possession, possession, yeah, you know, yeah. The difference in there because I've been down that road, yeah, and I struggled with it spiritually, wondering if I were to die, yeah, where am I going? Yeah, you know, I know I've been saved, but you know, at this point in time in my life, what, what's yeah. going on? Am I possessed or? Yeah. Yeah. So, so scripture w- scripture would indicate for us that believers should should in time produce fruit. Um, not all believers all, not all believers will produce the same amount of fruit given even given the same amount of time. Um, when it when it comes to like like uh, addictions, especially like drug related addictions. Um, to say that someone like here's the thing you don't have to be free from drugs to believe Jesus is who he says he is right like to say that you have to be completely like there can't be there can't be a single ounce of that uh, drug in your body or you're not a believer would be a, would be as much to say works saves you and it does not Faith saves you. Faith saves us when we're dead in our sin. Faith saves the drug addict when they're still on the high. Right? It is faith that saves and faith alone. And the only hope that a drug addict, whether they're a professing believer or not, has towards ultimate hope and ultimate freedom is faith in the healer. Right? Faith in the healer and the Holy Spirit working in us. That's the only hope anyone has. Right, it's it's more it's more pronounced that a drug addict is where they are because because the 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 out external um, like with the eyes we can identify, but there are many within church walls that are struggling with different kind of addictions, different kind of like battles that that happen to be ones that don't change your physical appearance, and that you can be like a law-abiding citizen while still. While still struggling in those areas, right? So, like, so it's easy when we look at drugs because the effect that it has to draw to draw far-reaching conclusions that I think that we have to be that we have to be careful about. Um, but likewise, if if you were to be one who struggles with drug addiction and a believer, I, w- I would say like cling to cling to Christ, 
Um, the battleground is the mind, and now the mind is working against you because your mind is desiring a chemical. Um, so, so be smart about that battle, right? Like, like seek seek help, seek guidance, um, and 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 in that, like seek other believers. Can I think the the truth that Paul speaks in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 don't be conformed but be transformed that that happens by the renewing of the mind right and that that's no matter what state of sin you find yourself in prior to to conversion is there is for all of us this need to conform ourselves to scripture and let it transform who we are through the power of the Holy Spirit salvation is supernatural Right, salvation is supernatural, and the the reality is is that all of us will die one day, and probably the day that we die, we sin. Right, but in heaven we will sin not once. There's a there is a miracle that we all hope and long for that happens the day that we close our eyes for the last time here. That we can only trust that God does it when we see Him. Right. Like that in that, like in heaven, we will be more free than we are now and our desires will be fully conformed and fully transformed um, into His desires. I'm right? going to say what you're saying uh, reminds me of Sandy Touchdown's testimony. And her, um, so renewal of her mind had to do with belief that she was forgiven. She had to be convinced. Yeah. The word conviction yeah. in the Holy is the word convince. We think of it as condemnation because we've been taught that. <laughs> That's yeah. one of those bad theologies. Yeah. But the word conviction is convinced of something that the Holy yeah. is teaching you. She had to be convinced that she was still, she was a believer who was forgiven yeah. before that stronghold would release yeah. in her life because her addiction was connected to her feeling condemned. And not getting past that. Yeah. And so everybody's is different, I think, and that's why like people we work with and love on, like we've got to be patiently encouraging them to just go back to let the Holy Spirit teach yeah. you through the word the renewal of your mind. It's, For sure. It's